Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dallas Christian College Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spees, the Director of Advancement here at the college, and we're grateful that you've decided to join us for the concluding episode in our series, One Faith, One Body, based on the book of Ephesians. Uh, For the last several weeks, we've been hearing from students in uh, Dr. Eddie Sanders' Preaching the New Testament class, and one of their assignments for this past spring semester was to prepare episodes for our podcast and share those with you, our listener. And so joining us today for this sixth episode is Matt Scott. Matt's great to have you. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Uh, Just as a bit of an introduction, Matt is a graduating senior, a psychology major. He also comes to us having served our country as an Army veteran uh, from 2007 to 2015. Most recently, he moved here uh, from Roosevelt, Minnesota, and he's going to be sharing his insights into Ephesians chapter 6, a pretty well-known passage of Scripture for most of those listening. Uh, helping to facilitate today's discussion is the Director of Learning Technology and the Associate Professor of Intercultural Studies here at the college, Mr. Gary Hardy. Gary, as always, it's good to have you back and glad you're joining us today. Glad to be here, Scott. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you uh, kick off this episode of One Faith, One Body, Ephesians chapter 6 with Matt Scott. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Um, Matt, it's good to have you with us today. Looking forward to what you have to say about Ephesians chapter 6. So I'm going to let you go ahead and dive right in. Okay, sounds good. You know, uh, Gary, I, I know that you were in the Marine Corps for a while, and and I know that you remember as well as, as I do the, the drills that we constantly had to do to be prepared for anything that might come. The We, we had to have the correct armor for the correct incident. We had to have the correct weapon we had to have the correct flak vest. We had to have the correct Kevlar helmet, and uh, and there was there was a lot of a lot of preparation that goes into training in the military. Um, and I, I'm sure most people here will remember or have heard of September 11th, 2001, when the United States came under attack. The United States sent the military over to the Middle East in soft side Humvees. Hmm. And uh, they they were being hit by IEDs and and these soft side Humvees were just not the correct piece of equipment for the type of battle that they were fighting. And when we come to Ephesians chapter six, I, I think that that's what it's telling us about here. It's telling us about the correct armor for the battle that we're fighting. Ephesians chapter six. We're going to look at verse ten, uh, verse ten through twenty. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you will be able to stand. I apologize. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having gird your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the fiery arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, praying at all times in the Spirit, 
And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given unto me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. And in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Going back to verse 1, it's... You know, uh, I've heard a lot of people read through this, and they stop at verse 17, where it says to take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And they they neglect to go through 18 and 20, which I think are absolutely crucial to the armor of God. Yeah, uh, you know, this, this description of the armor of God is interesting because, uh, you know, anyone living in Ephesus at the time that Paul wrote this letter would have been familiar with what a Roman soldier looked like. Um, when he's describing the armor that they wear, you know, uh, Rome ruled with their soldiers. They, they were, they were you, know, you couldn't walk down the street without running into a Roman soldier somewhere. And so these are familiar items to the eye. Even if you've never served, you knew what these things looked like. And so he's using something that, that they could see almost every day. Um, but it, the proper use of that armor is really what it was all about, right? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the proper use of the armor. You know, it, it talks in verse 10 to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And I think that Paul starts with that because it is so essential because this armor was not only for human use, but it was also for angelic use. Mm. I mean, we see in Jude chapter 9 when the archangel Michael was fighting with the devil it says, but Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him an abuse of judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, go ahead. I just I found it really interesting that even an archangel, you know, one of the mightiest angels in heaven's army, you know, he relied on that same power that we are told to, to, to rely on here in Ephesians 6. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I hear the, the word stand used a lot in this passage. Uh, how many times is it used? Um, in, in these 10 verses, we see the word stand used um, three times and the word withstand used once. And, uh, and, and I think that there's great meaning behind those words to stand because we have to remember that, that Yeshua on the cross, he already won the war, mm. that when he said it is finished, that he, he was announcing victory. And then when he rose from the dead on the third day, I mean, he just completely obliterated the enemy. Mm. And, uh, and, and stand, it's uh, the, the Greek word used here is his temi. And it means to stand, abide, and continue. And I think that's really important to understand that because we're not told to go fight a battle that we haven't won. Mm. where we're told to hold the ground that Christ already won. And, and the word withstand it is also an interesting word, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the Greek pronunciation of this word, but it means to stand against, to oppose, and to resist. So we're told to, to stand, to hold the ground, to oppose the enemy, that, that we can't be bystanders in this battle. That even though the war has been won, up until the return of Christ, there is going to be a constant battle. Yeah, I'm reminded of the, I believe it was the German theologian Oskar Kuhlmann who first 
posited this idea to think about, well, if Christ won the victory, why are we still fighting battles? And he said, picture it like World War II. He said, you know, um, in Europe, he said, there came a point, D-Day basically, the successful invasion of France by the, by the Allied troops essentially won the war. At that point, the Germans could not win. But rather than surrendering, they kept fighting. And he said, you know, think of the cross as D-Day. That was the day in which Jesus defeated Satan, but he's still fighting like he could win, even though he can't. And think about the return of Christ as VE Day, Victory in Europe Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, if you kind of picture it from that kind of perspective, and Kuhlmann knew about that because he lived through World War II in Germany. Um, he said, if you, if you look at it that way, then you kind of understand why, why is Satan still fighting? Because he just, he refuses, he's, he knows he can't win, but he's going to try to take as many people down with him as he possibly can inflict right. as much damage as he can just to spite god you know absolutely that that's a great analogy that's you know that's that's exactly what we're looking at here you know we're we're going to be fighting battles every day because the devil wants to retake the ground that he lost mm-hmm. and if we sit on the sidelines as the church if we're not unified as a fighting unit then you know we're, we're allowing him to take back the ground Mm-hmm. That, that Christ already won. And you're, and you're using a, a great term. You talk about a, a unit, you know, unity and unit. You know, in the military, like we both have experience, your unit is important to the overall thing. And, you know, you work together as a unit, whether it's a small squad or whether it's a platoon or a whole regiment or whatever it might be. You're a unit working right. together. Absolutely. And, and you know, and, and going on looking at the armor that's talked about here you know i'm, I'm going to start with the uh with the helmet of salvation even though it's one of the last things that's brought up because i think it is one of the more important items that is talked about here because it's the the, the helmet in roman times had a number of significant things that it that it betrayed you know the the plume on the roman helmet it showed the battalion that the legionnaire was with and it also identified the number of campaigns that that soldier had been on. And so when we're told to put on the helmet of salvation, we're being told to identify with Christ. We're being told to identify under the banner of Christ. And, uh, and, you know, and I think that even you know, in the sports world, you know, a lot of people can relate with this because you know, I mean, if you're a Longhorn fan, you know, you're gonna wear a Longhorn jersey, you're gonna have a Longhorn flag if you're a Vikings fan, it's the same thing. And, you know, and so you, you, you rally under that banner and people you don't know, you know, will come hang out with you because you're under the banner that they support. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, in football, the helmet is a protective device first and foremost, but it's also a place for the team to put their logo, their identifier, unless you're the Cleveland Browns or Penn State like, <laughs> likes the blank helmet. But even that's an identifier, you know, uh-huh. when, you, when you see that, just plain orange helmet you know that's the cleveland browns because they're the only ones who do that Mm -hmm. so uh the helmet not only served not only serves as a protective device but it also serves as an identifier lets people know who you belong to right absolutely and you know and i I, that obviously has to be the first piece of armor that we put on as a christian Mm -hmm. you know we have to put on the helmet of salvation and i think that one of the interesting things about putting on this helmet is that we're not only letting 
others in our unit, others in the battalion know that we're on the same team, but we're letting the enemy know what side we're on. We're putting a target on our back. And so when you put that helmet on, that's when you have to have the rest of the armor. Right. What about some of the other elements of the armor? The, uh, the breastplate of righteousness is a very interesting um, the, the breastplate of righteousness is a very important part of this armor the breastplate of righteousness um, it, it, it can be found throughout scripture and, and you know so I had to look and see you know where does this righteousness come from because we see in Isaiah 64 6 that we're all unclean, that all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And so, you know, where, where do we get the righteousness that, uh, that this comes from? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I found the answer to that in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, he was made, I, it says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the reason we need a breastplate is because that's a vulnerable area that needs to be protected. You think about, you know, essential organs like the heart, the lungs, and everything in that area. And it, it, those things can't defend themselves. They're inside us, but they're essential. And so uh, we need that breastplate. And so, uh, but we can't provide it ourselves out of our own body. It has to come from Christ. So the righteousness of Christ is our breastplate, correct? Right, right. Um. And of course, the, there's the shield of faith. Um, it's uh, our 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 faith is what allows us to go into battle confidently. Uh, it's what allowed the Israelites in you know in the Old Testament to conquer the land was their faith in the Lord. Whenever their faith faltered, they faltered. Whenever their faith was strong, they were strong. And so that using that as a shield of protection, I think it's interesting though that the only offensive weapon that's all the things that are listed under the armor of god are are defensive things protective things except for one the sword of the spirit and what does it say what does it tell us about the sword what is the sword of the spirit right yeah no going into the sword of the spirit you know this it's it tells us directly what the sword of the spirit is it says it is the word of god Mm. and you know we can't utilize the sword if we never spend time in the word of God, if we never yeah. spend time memorizing and reading, you know, it's, it, it'd be like ha- having a weapon, having, having a sidearm with no bullets, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's right there. You can use it, but without the correct ammo, it's absolutely pointless. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, the, it was that sort of the spirit that Jesus used during his temptation. It is written, you know, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes and so forth when, he, when Satan challenged him. Uh, it's also important to remember that the sword is to be used on our enemy, not on each other. Um, okay. the, because, frankly, we can misuse the word of God to mm-hmm. cut each other up instead of using it against our ultimate enemy. You know, Paul tells us elsewhere that uh, our enemy is not flesh and blood, right. right? It's the forces, the evil forces. It's Satan. And, but sometimes we can turn the word of God into a weapon against our brothers and sisters, our fellow soldiers in the fight, and that obviously is detrimental. We have to remember that that sword is to be directed at our enemy. Absolutely. Uh, now, there are times when 
sometimes we need a little bit of a sharp instrument. You know, there, there, there are swords and then there are scalpels. You know, there are, there are fighters and there are surgeons. And sometimes the word of God does do some surgical work on us. I mean, Paul even right. talks about that, you know, dividing and all that kind of thing. So it does have a, but in this context, as an offensive weapon, it's to be directed at Satan and his mm-hmm. uh, power, not against brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. Right. Or even, even, even humans who aren't brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, we sometimes want to make them the devil when they're humans. Yeah. Uh, and so the sword of the spirit is a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. I'm reminded of, uh, the writer of Hebrews again, don't know, don't know who wrote Hebrews. We don't right. know if maybe the writer of Hebrews had this imagery in mind but in hebrews chapter 4 the word of god is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joint and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart so again that idea of the word of god being used in an offensive way to combat the evil attacks that come upon us that's really good right Yeah. yeah and you know put Putting the word into it, not just having it on the page, but putting it into us is so important. I, I remind people that, you know, the memorization, memorization of Scripture is not just an academic exercise. You know, the stories that you hear about, like, for example, um, stories I've heard of, like, missionaries who were taken prisoner, uh, like, prior to World War II and things in, in Tibet and China and places like that, who were able to bring real comfort to their fellow prisoners because they had memorized large portions of the word of God. They weren't allowed to take their Bibles into the jail cells with them, but they had the word of God as the old Testament says hidden in their hearts. And they were able to bring that out. They were, they were the Bible for the people who were there with them. You know, I I challenge people to say, you know, if, if your Bible was taken away from you today, how much Bible would you have left? How much of the word of God have you put in your life? That sword of the spirit uh, Jesus didn't have to look up the verses that he quoted right. to Satan when he was being tempted. He could rattle them right off, you know, um, and, and just say, or when he's saying, you know, it, you have heard that it was said, do this. He, he didn't have to look those up. He didn't have to rip out a scroll and, and find them. He knew them. Now, Absolutely. of course, kind of the authorship of Scripture there too, but still anybody, anybody can memorize and put the Word of God into their heart so that that sword is always available for use without having to run back to the page to find it. Right. No, absolutely. And, you know, as we've moved through the armor of God, I, I want to move on to, the, to, to, one of the final, to, to one of the final things that we are told, mm-hmm. and, and that is to pray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we can, we can have this whole armor, and we can put it on every day. We can memorize the Scripture. But just like any soldier, you know, I mean, you go on a 20-mile ruck, I mean, you're wore out. You're tired. Yeah. And, and you know, and so without the, that communication between the commander, I mean, one of the names of God is Adonai Tezvat, which means the Lord of Heaven's armies. And, uh, and you know, and so with, without that communication from, well, that communication to the commander, you know, I mean, you, there's no battle plan. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's extremely important, you know, as Paul points out, that we spend this time praying, that we talk to God, that we spend the time listening to God. Yeah, and that's a great way to sum everything up, is that the prayer is, the, it, while not listed as part of the armor, it's what makes the armor work. Absolutely. It's, it's what energizes it and everything for us. 
thank you, Matt. I really appreciate That's you excellent. taking time to walk us through that today. And I think there's some really great things for us to put into practice uh, based on the things that you've presented today. Absolutely. Matt, I'm going to ask you to, uh, to wrap up our series by having a prayer for our listeners like we've done with every episode. Uh, if you would uh, just, again, trusting that God's going to speak to people's hearts where they are today as they're listening, and I'll let you uh, voice a prayer for them. Absolutely. Adonai Tezvat, the commander of heaven's armies, we come before you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And as you have given us yourself, you've given us the way to eternal life. I pray that anyone that hears this that has not met you would see their need for a Savior, would understand that this battle is raging, whether they want to admit it or not. I pray that you would enhance our faith and that you would draw the body of Christ together as a unified unit, that we would be able to move effectively. We pray for our country. Father, everything going on is horrendous, but you said there will be wars or rumors of wars, but not to worry because it's in your hands because the end is not yet. So we pray that you give us the faith, that you give us the belief. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We want to thank you all for joining us for uh, this, I think, very encouraging and insightful episode, One Faith, One Body. If you haven't heard all the episodes, I encourage you to, to go back and listen to some of those. We want to thank Gary Hardy for helping to facilitate, as well as Dr. Mark Kalin. We want to thank uh, Dr. Eddie Sanders for helping to coordinate uh, this series as well. And again, to thank our student presenters, Caleb Garrett, Abram Navarrete, Zach Richardson, Dwayne Rivera. Matthew Anderson, Matthew Scott. We hope that you have been encouraged uh, and we pray that uh, today you will rest and stand strong in the armor of God and allow God to do great things through you as you continue to walk and uh, serve as a Christian. And we pray that you have a great day, stay safe, and we'll catch you next time. Take care.